Hello and welcome to Uni Game Society Radio on TuneFM 106.9. I am your host, Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Blake. And I'm Kate. And uh, tonight on today's show, we do have... Tonight uh, on today's show, yeah, that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got... For anybody who plays uh, Dota, you would know that the new hero known as Dawnbreaker has come out. Looks like a female Omni Knight, I would say. But A new hand touches the beacon. Also that. <laughs> oh, speaking of beacons, she is an absolute beam of light, whether it be radiant or absolutely blinding. <laughs> the opinions vary based on her balance. I haven't tested her out yet. Is she fun at least? She's fun um, to fight as. Fun to fight against is an entirely different matter. Uh, you gotta have both. You gotta have both. Yeah. Early hoodwink, huh? Yep. Anyone, honestly, with a lot of early released Dota characters, it's always been either really underwhelming or so overwhelming it blots out the sun. In this yeah. case, it replaces a sun with a second sun. Do there's do there's more sun. testing beforehand with this kind of There's thing? supposed to be, there's but... A, yeah. Nothing is more testing than the live servers. True. I feel like they're going the opposite direction Digital Extremes goes with Warframe. Because Digital Extremes prefers to release an underwhelming frame and buff it, then release a powerful one and nerf it into the ground. Take notes, Riot Games. <laughs> well, I, I mentioned this to Hayden. At least Riot Games does have a test server, like a public test server people use. And yet their stuff still comes out broken. Which one's Riot? Uh, League, League of, of Legends. Legends. Like, I don't get it. You guys have a PBE server with an entire caveat of players all testing this stuff, and you still think some of the stuff you release is okay? Patrick, we're about to trash on Valve for doing that right now, though. <laughs> yeah, and the thing, it's like, at least Valve doesn't publicly state they have a PBE server. They, they, they have... Riot has given themselves less excuses. Y- you get me? Oh, yeah. Whereas Valve is like, ha-ha, yeet. I'm not defending Riot. I'm just saying that Valve is also screwed up over here. Yeah. <laughs> Valve's issue may be that since they do only in-house testing, they're up against people who already know the limitations of the character. It's a moment of, like, who has authority, the author or the reader. And, yeah. it, it, I mean, that's an entire t- conversation <laughs> for a very different subject. I mean... Anyone here doing any art majors or anything could probably uh, engage deeply on that d- topic. I did English in high school. <laughs> yeah. That's why we should probably get into the nitty-gritty of what Dawnbreaker actually does before we even go over what Valve it did yesterday. It says I'm dead on fire, right? It says what? I'm dead on fire. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that. <laughs> I haven't played the characters. So this is my best material. No, Blake is memeing us with a Skyrim reference. <laughs> yes. Very mint and relevant, and since uh, it was 2012. Oh my <laughs> god, it was 2012. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, Todd Howell, want to get on the next Elder Scrolls? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> no, 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 come on. He's got to put one out for the Xbox Smart Fridge. <laughs> what are we yeah. doing? Just roasting everyone. Today. Goodness Come and on. gracious. Hey, look, I don't mind so roast. If we get to roast people for two hours, I'm all right with that. <laughs> but um, no. So with Dawnbreaker, um, I've played her, and I would agree with one of my friends, Hayden, and that is her kit's a little overloaded, but the basic concept is pretty neat. Her Q, essentially, she does two overhead swings in a circling arc before then basically coming crashing down with a third strike into the ground, stunning enemies, which is pretty rad. With a little bit of a self-stun on herself, but, like, negligible. And and what's her W do, Chris? Her W, she throws her her hammer out, out, you could say like Thor. However, the hammer 
uh, does not return, but you can press W again, and you fly half the distance between... So the hammer... Yeah, you fly half the distance to the hammer, the hammer flies the other half distance, uh, so you get an escape or a... You sort of slink each get in. way. Yeah. Um, as a side note, when you do that jump, it leaves a trail of fire both directions. Uh, just a quick correction. If you do not recast the ability, the hammer does actually return to your position. Yeah. Which can be really funny if you throw the hammer and then start TPing back because uh, the hammer will follow you back to your position. If anyone's watched The Avengers and has known that scene where Thor <laughs> tries to get his hammer back in Doctor Strange's I'm house... I'm still worthy. You'll, oh, you'll, no, you'll know exactly <laughs> what I'm that. talking about. Also that. And what about her E, Pat? Her E is actually a passive. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Essentially, though, um, after hitting an, um, after making three attacks, her fourth attack will deal a crit and heal her and nearby allies for a percentage of the damage dealt. Not bad. Mm. And her Q counts as attacks. Which so is three attacks, so it's whack, 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 next single. Attack. Oh, look, infinite damage and om nom 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 health. Yeah. Which is one of the issues some people have with her in that is that she deals incredible amounts of damage, but at the same time has incredible amounts of sustain and a health pool to boot. Mm-hmm. Again, though, balance is what balance will be, and that is it's like opinions. No one will be happy with whatever is given. Oh, but there is still an <laughs> ultimate to talk about as well. Oh, and what's that ultimate? Done? So, the, well, every Dota character, generally speaking, has four abilities. And so her ultimate, known as Solar Guardian... Uh, she targets an allied hero. She can choose herself if she wants, but I don't think that's the point of it. <laughs> uh, after a few seconds of channeling, she leaps up into the air and slams down on that position. However, before that, uh, there is damage, damaging pulses from the point of the hero she's targeting and healing pulses for her allies in that same circle. Anybody that's in the area when she lands gets stunned for a time as well. Hmm. So she could be minding her own business, farming some jungle creeps, and out of nowhere, a bright beacon of light starts shining on one of the enemy heroes, and you're like, uh, ah. <laughs> uh. I mean, that, that, that actually sounds really useful, admittedly overpowered, but like, quick, we need help. We're in the middle of a team fight, and we're getting our butts handed to us. One moment, please. Mjolnir, away! Say <laughs> no more. I must go. My people need me. Now, one one thing I've noticed as a as a former league player, I see two similarities uh, with some of these abilities, though. So the Q uh, looks a little bit like a champion called Riven, who has three slashes of the third one knocking people up, which Patrick would know about. Yep, um, triple hit combo. However, hers ones is a lot more manually cast. You got to cast it each time for each slash, which makes it a lot more mobile. She's a complicated hero as well. There's a lot of animation cancels and such. I, I never, I'm not, like, as much as I love gaming, all those pro strats are like, animation cancels, quick time cancels, all those are like, I just want to play a video game. <laughs> <laughs> play a game. <laughs> um, and then with her ultimate, it looks to me to be pretty much exactly like Galio in his current state, that champion from League. Yeah, like, just like, oh, hmm, what's that golden circle? Ah, danger. It's like, ah, crap. That's a hmm, that's a person incoming. <laughs> that's the no-no squail. Who's about to... Who, Jinx may launch a missile. Galio launches himself. He launches <laughs> up in the air and slams down. Yep. So it seems she does a bit of everything. 
and mm. that's okay. But maybe she's doing a bit of everything too well. Like, if doing mm. a bit of everything is her thing, that's fine. But if they could make her a bit worse at doing everything mm. while still having that spread of skills, that may yeah. fix the issue. Jack of all trades is okay. It's yeah. just that... You just have to be a jack, not a queen. It's just the exactly. problem that these... Well, actually, that may, something that they probably won't implement, but is sort of stolen from another game I played, Dragon Fable. They recently reworked one of the subclasses there, the Doom, the Doom Knight, I believe, or Death Knight, sorry, mm-hmm. which used to have an ability where it would both DPS your opponent with a passive aura and heal yourself. Hmm. But what they did to change that was make it toggleable. Ah, to swap between the two. Um. So one thing they could do is, because I know some heroes have five abilities, if they have like an aura or passive and something else. Some people have alternate things, yeah. Uh, characters like Doom or Rubik have uh, two free slots for spells that they've taken from creeps or other heroes. Yeah, so what they could do is give her an additional ability to toggle between her ability, like her healing pulses instead doing damage, particularly with her ultimate. Yeah. Hayden also mentioning Dark Willow having two separate ultimates. Mm. Yeah. Oh, but uh, on the topic of uh, changes, actually, a gameplay patch was released this morning. Yeah. So, despite everything that you just heard, the Dawnbreaker is super strong and everything. Valve released eight buffs for her at the same time. Simultaneously. So let's uh, grow. Um, she has a uh, increase to her strength gain, which means that the later the game is, the more health she will have. And more damage, because she's a strength hero. Exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, they increased her armor, so her early game tank ability has been increased. Mm-hmm. Uh, she now lo- no longer stuns herself for that long. It goes from a point three to a point two stun. Yep. Okay. Uh, Celestial Hammer's trail burn damage is now increased. It now goes from 20 flat to 20, 30, 40, and 50 as the game progresses. Giving her additional scaling. Mm -hmm. Uh, The luminosity, they've now made the healing higher, going from 25 to 30, 30 to 40, 35 to 50, and 40 to 60 percent of damage dealt. Damn, okay. Um, That's the passive crit. And her ultimate now... um, Her ultimate now heals instead of 40, 55, 70, it now goes 45, 70, 95. Um, the radius has gone from 400 to 500, and the stun has gone from maximum of 1.5 to 2. And now I know half a second might not mean much, but in a game of MOBAs, uh, half a second stun is a lot, and half an extra can be devastating. (laughs) So basically they did the opposite of what I suggested they do just now. (laughs) <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> the king of all trades. She went from a jack of all trades, and now they've skipped queen and made her a king. Hmm. Yeah, like, the, here's the thing. It's like, and, and this is the issue I had in some games. Like, if you, if you look at something like Overwatch, Chris might know who exactly I'm about to talk about. That could be multiple, but yeah, go on. Um, <laughs> there are some things that you should never put together hmm. in gaming concepts. And for me personally, extreme mobility and tank should never be put together, Diva. And yet, in a game of objectives where you've got to stand on the point, when you have someone who has the ability to eat damage, fly around, take extra damage, and effectively have a second life... Oh, yeah, because when Diva gets killed, she drops out of a mech, right? Exactly. And yes, she is now a squishy little gremlin, like Dorito eating gremlin with a pea shooter. 
but she's still on the objective. Don't so, mess with that pea shooter. <laughs> yeah. So, like, giving the heavy a motorbike. Pretty much. Again, like, as, as uh, shout out to YouTube channel Lazy Purple has once said, heavy plus teleporter equals a superior class. <laughs> but um, with that being said, that's a, that is my gripe with some character designs, and that is tank with high mobility. Now, limited mobility is okay. Something like Dawnbreaker's ultimate, that's fine. That's an ultimate that is limited. Yes. And it's only point to point. You're not able to use it. And it's limited by where your ally is. Whereas her W yeah. is a catch up and a dash, essentially. And that's terrifying because, like, most of the time, most tank characters in Dota have to buy something called a blink dagger, which allows them to teleport short distances. Uh, eat my shorts. Uh, flash. <laughs> <laughs> flash goes like a quarter of the distance, you know. Not even, let's be real. Um, but, um, yeah, it's like, so, you know, all these other tanks with all this sustain and damage and all that stuff have to buy their way into this mobility, whereas this uh, person's like, <laughs> hammer go boop. Where's hammer yeah. goes to, panel? Mm. And, like, on the topic of heavies and stuff like an example of how mobility should sort of be done in these kind of games is the scout and to an extent the medic the medic can get the scout speed if he is pocketing a scout if he's warding pocketing healing, uh, healing. healing the scout oh, okay. uh, pocketing means to constantly be attached to the one individual as a support rather okay. than supporting the whole team yeah okay so that's what you often hear the term pocket medic meaning a heavy with a pocket medic is basically the heavy standing out in the hallway firing down the choke point while the medic is hiding in the next turn just like please don't die please don't die please don't die I'm really just picturing the heavy with like a tiny a, ti- a tiny <laughs> there are so many jokes so many pocket. people have That's actually adorable. suggested cosmetics for the heavy where his um, vest pocket has a little doll of medic yeah <laughs> the mental image that I get. Yeah, but the only way for Medic to reach scout speed is if he is healing a scout, because otherwise it'd be borderline impossible to heal a scout they keep they're running just out of range. Yeah. It's a tether thing, and that yeah. makes it balanced. Also, um, interactions with certain um, objects like explosions and stuff, I think the scout and medic have more interactions with it due to coding. I, I'm not a TFT player. They also player. have very little health. That too. So it all scales out, but now it's like if you had someone like the heavy, with with that speed, with the damage output of a yeah. sniper, that's essentially what Dawnbreaker brings to the table. As well as it's like, it's like, I guess to put it like this, if for any TF2 players out there, it's basically if heavy was could run as fast as Scout, and then have the healing crossbow from Medic, but said healing crossbow could headshot. That's hilarious. That's the That's most essentially what combination of claws. That is essentially what Dawnbreaker brings yeah. to the table. She has mobility, tankiness, damage, yeah. and healing. I've been updated that she's currently the third tankiest hero in Dota. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, this really just makes me want to play Dota again to actually learn how to play. Though, well, as a pattern we've already seen with Dota... Uh, Monkey King came out, Monkey King destroyed, then Monkey King got grabbed swiftly from behind, Full Nelson, then German suplexed into the ground. <laughs> to the point where uh, my good friend Hayden, or our good friend Hayden, I should say, um, has now rendered him to be a very sad sack of hair. 
Mm. So they tend to overcompensate on the eventual nerfs. Um, we'll get there someday, but for right now, she just got eight buffs at the same time. Then again, then again, like there will come a point where harmony will come to a character. But then again, I, I remember watching this one video, and that is, no matter who you main, no matter who you like, if you open your mouth and say, "I like to main this character," someone's gonna have something awful to say to you. <laughs> some 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 people hate every every Smash character I play, so you know. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> literally though, doesn't yes. matter how the balance doesn't yeah. matter how the balance goes, no one's gonna like who you play, and that's a fact. That uh, anyone out there who ever feels miserable about playing a certain character, if you ever get bullied online, and bullying is a serious problem that happens on a like on esports and all that stuff, can mm. be really troublesome. If someone ever gives you hell for liking a character or liking to play a character, just remember they don't even like themselves playing a character. Mm. And they mm. would give you hell for probably literally any other character you would play. Oh exactly. yeah, everybody's got got a problem with probably every character. Mm. Yep. As much as they also play the same character sometimes. Precisely. So like, you guys all hate when I play explosive heavy characters in games with friendly fire. Oh, that's a very different reason. That's you a know different that reason. Very much like. <laughs> in my defense, I give you a warning half a second before the detonation. By the See, time the fireball the... has been cast, that is not the warning we need. Fireball <laughs> is fine... to whom it may concern. Our second PSA: Team coordination is vital, Blake. <laughs> I'm not that bad. Which game is this in reference uh, to? Deep Rock Galactic mainly. Oh yeah, no. We shouldn't give you a pipe bomb. You're not allowed to have pipe bombs. No, I don't use pipe bombs. <laughs> I use cluster bombs. They're even worse. But it makes it At least a pipe interest. bomb explodes only once. <laughs> <laughs> a cluster bomb is one goes off. Now the rest are about to play bingo with which bones they're going to break in my body. At least I haven't killed any of you with it yet, I don't think. You almost have. And if you haven't killed me, you killed the platform I was standing on, and then I slid <laughs> to my doom. Hayden would like me to remind Blake of the heist with the intimidation check. No! <laughs> leave that out of it, Hayden! <laughs> Hayden, we don't talk about our D&D shenanigans on this channel. We uh, save that for Dungeons and Airwaves. This, That's is, their domain. Is this the one... Is this the one where I jumped on the table? Uh, no, the no. other one. Where you went in that one. I tried to intimidate a guy as he walked through a door by setting myself on fire and yelling at him, so he ran and called all his friends, and then there was a major alert. That's a story oh, yeah. for a very another day. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, we've probably dragged this segment on for a fair while. Oh, so. yes, um, we've been going. Uh, <laughs> music break, but after this segment, Blake, uh, speaking of new characters and new updates, I believe you've got some news. Woo! Yep. All righty. We'll come back to you in a few minutes. So you've been listening to Game Society Radio on TuneFM 106.9.
tears, I face the doubts I hide I never give in to my fears, deep within Cause I heard my voice inside I know I was born for this I know I was born for this
to the ground where the brothers are sleeping and you can still hear the sound of a band that was singing about a sky that was blue they sang it for me and now i sing it for you Welcome back to Uni Game Saudi Radio on TuneFM 106.9. And uh, we left off with uh, Blake. You've got news for us. Yeah, for some so people. a few of the games I and Pat play have got some updates that have either recently come out or are coming out soon. Uh, I'll start with the slightly smaller one that's going to take less time to talk about, Warframe. Ah, uh, yes. One of the more maligned as weak frames has recently got a rather large rework, which you were saying earlier, Pat, you have played... It is Zephyr, the newest in a line of frames to be reworked, starting mainly with Vorbin, I believe, mm-hmm. is when they started becoming a lot more prevalent. I would actually say it began with uh, Wukong, if we uh, would be really certain. Wukong was after Vorbin. Oh, oh shows my uh, grasp of time. <laughs> People were salty that it wasn't Wukong. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, so the Zephyr rework for any Warframe players out there, uh, a lot of quality of life changes. Now, I can't remember what they changed to her passive. It's a bit blurry there. But um, essentially, though, her, her one, her two, and her three, uh, one, two, and four have been changed a lot. Her three hasn't changed, but that's because it was probably the best part of her kit. Uh, which one was that? Her um, whirlwind, where she summons, uh, jet stream, where she protects herself with the thing. Ah, uh, the one where she zoops into the air. No, 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 the, um, not jet stream. The one where she protects herself with all the wind around her. Ah, that one, yeah. My yeah. bad. I'm not very good with names, so do forgive. But her first ability, the, the zoom, the yeet, mm. uh, they've changed it. So you know how if you hold still and cast it, you just sort of hover ominously? Yeah. You can now move during that. That's good. Yeah, no, you now move. It's a bit slow, but the fact is is that you now actually have stationary aerial hover mobility, which is significantly better than just... Standing up like you're A-posing on the grenier as they then tread you like a piece of cheese. Yeah. The only other frame that can do that currently, I think, is Titania, but only in her four. Mm. Whereas she moves a lot faster. Zephyr's like, she hovers into the air and then she can, like, glide along and then shoot mm. down while still, like, slowly, listily, lazily, but still moving. It's, it's, a, it's a big improvement. That when sounds like a very beneficial rework. Yeah. Um, I believe her passive makes it now, like, her aerial damage is better. I could be wrong. If you could check Blake for me. Um, 
I actually now can't remember. Her two, oh, her two no longer explodes enemies away. Uh, it, it does the opposite. Draws them in? It now creates a vacuum that sucks enemies in, uh-huh. which is a lot more beneficial for Zephyr as her damage is more reliant on having all the enemies closer together. That's they good. finally figured out maybe exploding all your enemies away isn't a good idea. They still get staggered, they still ragdoll on the ground and spasm like they actually got hit by a door in Gmod. But they're in a very handy pile for you to smack them. Exactly, and using something like the El Seltra, which is rocket-propelled grenade explosives at high speed, now in a little cluster of enemies, it's a lot more convenient to blast. Very good, very um, good. Rather than scattering them around like confetti on a New Year's Day. Tailwind, mm. Tailwind you, we've already addressed... Um, because they they admit that standing still in Warframe is a terrible idea. Yep. Which is a game of mobility being still is not good. Yeah. Air burst changed from a radial explosion that knocks enemies outward into a short duration vortex, like we did for Goss's mock crash augment. Wait, Goss has augments now? I'm sorry. What? This is news to <laughs> both of you. This question is hilarious. So one of my favorite frames, the Sonic's fr- the Sonic the Hedgehog frame. Our was, favorite. <laughs> yeah, I was unaware he had augments yet because I haven't really focused on the game in a while. So I'm gonna have to look into that. Likewise. <laughs> uh, tornado reduce the number of tornadoes to three to prevent enemies from getting too scattered. Increase their pull so enemies stay inside them more. And the radius will grab enemies. Well, the radius that tornadoes will grab enemies was increased to include by default. The synergy with airburst, you no longer need to use airburst on your tornado to increase its pull radius. Finally, when you make them stationary, they will appear where you're aiming instead of on top of random enemies. Mm-hmm. Also, another additional feature, I don't think they mentioned it there, uh, something you'll be glad to hear, Blake. Hmm. Uh, dead enemies now fly out of the tornadoes. Ah. So uh, an issue that some Zephyr players had is that an enemy will ragdoll when in the tornado, but when an enemy dies, they also enter the ragdoll state. And until you see that health bar when you aim and fire, you really can't tell the difference, so you end up wasting a lot of ammo. Mm. And sometimes the bodies can obstruct your shots. Now that they've made it that dead enemies exit, alive enemies stay in, it's a lot easier to judge. I found the passive end, um, holy hell. Zephyr's aerial mobility bonus stays the same, and she will now also have a bonus of 150% to her critical hit chance while airborne. So essentially, they didn't ch- they didn't rework her passive. They essentially slapped on extra crit alongside her other kits, which yeah. is fantastic because aerial mobility wasn't exactly a very strong suit of hers. It made her nice, but now they made it actually have a point, and that is... Being airborne now gives more than just being airborne longer. Mm. Now gives you damage output, which is a very good direction to go in. A really good amount of damage output as well, because if you have a 75% critical um, weapon, 100% additional crit chance puts that up to 150. So you've got about 175, 180% crit chance while airborne with most crit weapons. Very good. For those who don't understand, essentially your boomstick goes extra boom. <laughs> I definitely appreciate a good character rework. I've, I've gotten a lot of enjoyment um, 
keeping an eye on the Don't Starve Together character reworks as they come out, which have oh. been very. I good. heard of Wes's rework. Ah, uh, yeah. yes, Wes. I don't. I don't play as Wes. I'm not good enough at the game to play as Wes. <laughs> <laughs> but they. I've heard that the April Fools update has now no longer been a jape. Yes, last mm. year they gave a fake update to Wes. And this year they gave him a real one, complete with a little animated video that gave a bit of um, additional lore but behind um, Wes entering the constant. Just to Local show his... so unlucky he got abducted by Satan as an accident. <laughs> he... Like yeah. yeah. Someone else is... Sp- reference, by the way. Someone <laughs> else was supposed to be taken into the world of Don't Starve and Wes fell into the portal, pushing him out of the way. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking for... I'm, I've definitely been enjoying seeing how these little videos come out with each character rework that go in that go a bit more in depth and give you that bit of information on how they got there which is like really nice it's I like that's a good that it. is a good point to give lore on them mm. not before their rework but after their rework so it now mm. fits up a little bit more cohesively because i've seen situations where lore is there and then there's a rework and then you look at the old lore and you think to yourself what the hell <laughs> and now i'm just remembering back to warframe for a little bit Hydroid Prime trailer when, and they finally brought it out like two, three years after Hydroid Prime. Oh, Let's oh. not talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So um, I do remember there was one other thing I did want to talk about because you kind of need it for your next segue. <laughs> um, Genshin Impact has had its next major update revealed, the 1.5 update, I believe. Yes, sirree. Uh, it's going to include our next brand new character banner. Don't remember the name though, but most importantly, it will include the beginning of the next Archon mission. And which, with another Archon mission, comes a new region Inazuma, the land of electricity. And weebs. Yeah, based on <laughs> Japan, with a I don't like magic people hunt going on in the background. It's a, it's a bit of a weird situation. You'll have to play the game to understand the full context, but essentially, I'm God. I gave you these powers. I want them back. <laughs> yeah. So, new region, new cities to climb the walls of. Indeed. More inhabitants too incompetent to do their own thing, so you now have to help them out. Quests. Um, you can also rub your face against a new set of shiny statues to get electricity powers. That's going to be very interesting for anyone who actually still plays their Traveler. Which is me, because I actually really enjoy the Traveler. I just enjoy other characters more, but that's just me. Valid. I haven't got any other good characters yet. <laughs> so Pat got to listen to me screaming a couple days ago because with the new, with the current um, Tartaglia banner out, I decided to summon a little bit with some leftover Prima gems, and I pulled a five star, the best you can pull from a banner. I have pulled five f- five stars since starting the game. Three of them with the same character. <laughs> Well, at least, you know, your gene will be quite strong. Yeah, my gene now gets an attack buff whenever she gets energy for her ultimate. Well, that's actually pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um, but uh, we digress. The, the interesting things that will come out, we haven't seen all the new um, patches and notes to come out about it. Mm. All we know is that we're essentially going to be dealing with a lot of electricity, but we don't also know, like, with a new character means, also, and a new region poses a new question, and that is bosses. Yeah, we may not get any bosses immediately because I think she's cryo, so she may just use the drops from the cryo iceberg lettuce thing. But then there was Hu Tao and Zhao, who were both very different elements, and they got their items from the Geovishap, which yeah. is 
like their boss item. So we might be getting a new wave of uh, elemental bosses with their own unique materials. We yeah. might get recycles of previous bosses, but in different locations with different attack sets. I kind of hope for a bit of both. Yeah, and perhaps most importantly, we're going to get a whole new bunch of um, local specialties. That too. Which means more points for the battle pass every week. <laughs> Unless they nerf the other battle pass points to make it equalized, so it's like they take one th like half of each and then put it into... You know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but mm, it is what it is. But for now, though, we sit eagerly and awaiting. Now, speaking of Genshin, uh, the recent events that have come out... Oh, yeah, some good ones. The, honestly, the my favorite thing in games is just events that do non-game stuff. Yeah. Um, there's been a few of those for Genshin recently. Yeah, and they they are really... They breathe a new life into the thing. It's like, as much as I love the combat system in the game, doing all of this RPG stuff is what really makes me mm. love playing Genshin. It's not just, uh, oh, go here, smash that, haha, my damage output is amazing. It's, I did a quest for this person, haha, I stole everything. <laughs> <laughs> or like, oh, they helped the little kid. Yay, my heart somehow feels warm and fuzzy. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, one of my favorite ones of late was the um, Windbloom Festival. Ah, uh, yes. So far, the only event I've 100%ed. Yeah, uh, because... No, actually, not quite. I missed one of the Peculiar Wonderland missions. Oof. I think it was... Um, I just never got the event to spawn again, like the particular mission. Oh, that was an annoying one. Yeah. But um, I got all the other little mini-games finished. There was one to do with shooting balloons with an archery character, which, in order to play the Windbloom Festival, all players have an archer by that point. You get given amber at the very beginning of the game, so... Yeah. Mm. There was also skydiving with your um, wings. And it's like, oh, okay, how do I maneuver there? <laughs> and then suddenly you bump one of the wrong balloons and it just eats you down towards the ground and it's like, well, guess I'm restarting. Yep, and it's like all these fantastic mini-games that employ mechanics from the game... But doing so in a way that is lighthearted, fun, and almost carnivalesque. Like you're at, you know, just a carnival playing the little sideshow games. My favorite one, though, was the uh, definitely not Guitar Hero. Uh, I actually <laughs> got oh. really good at that. I showed you that. Um, yes, the little gaming society. songs with the little rings. Yes, and the rewards that they gave you. All little novelty items. It's like, oh, look, balloons and a harp. Actually, the glider one didn't have an item, which was sad. No. But you did get a special bow. Yeah, which I cannot really use because none of my archers are good DPS. Uh, it's currently on my amber because I have nothing else that actually works for my amber. I've got a, I've had a bit of fun playing with the um, wings so far in Genshin. I like climbing up high and jumping down. It's and a satisfying around. experience, just yeah. gliding around at the speed of sound the before freedom, you hit the ground. <laughs> the freedom yeah. that I have to explore the map is something that I really appreciate. It's good. Yeah, that's a one thing I really love, and it's like as many people will criticize it for being, oh, it's a Breath of the Wild clone. It's like maybe. It's not, and just Breath of the Wild had a really good direction with how to go with map exploration. Yeah. Like, judging by how much good stuff I've heard about Breath of the Wild in general, I feel like a 
being a Breath of the Wild clone is nothing to sniff at. That's and, probably and a compliment. I think the term clone is very strong, like ham-fisted, because it's like mm-hmm. sometimes mechanics are just too good to keep in one game. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even then, Genshin has still put its own little spin on things. Exactly, and that's exactly how you make your own game. Yeah. It just seems that other games' mechanics fit in. But that's another topic for another day. Yeah. But for uh, now, though, probably want to close the segment before we <laughs> Well, uh, go with the close of this while. segment, um, after the break, we'll be back more about uh, side side tracking ourselves with uh, <laughs> mini games and side quests. Where we will probably end up get, getting sidetracked by another topic. But that's for the future to tell. That's why you listen to us, right? <laughs> 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 All right, you've been listening to Uni Game Sighted Radio on Tune FM 106.9. Turn up the radio. Tune FM. Been spending the day with my old self. Hiding inside. And that was Blue Moon Rising by Dedaria here on 106.9 at Tune FM. The UNE Archaeology Society is looking for a 2021 t-shirt design. 
If you're a UNE student, staff, or an affiliated society member and like the idea of winning some prizes, then why not enter the enter your idea for a design? For more details on how to enter, head to the UNE Archaeology Society's Facebook page or email them at Society at gmail.com. Coming up next, we have The Water Boy by UMI. There's a Scottish man He's fronting an American band How he lives in Dublin though I'm in Rosedale looking for ghosts Oh, Edinburgh going Nashville All a dollar breaking my heart In far places He's singing
Hello and welcome back to UNI Game Society Radio on Tune FM 106.9. And we thought we might talk about um, getting distracted in games, though. <laughs> not in conversation. Not in conversation. But Very we, soon. We have an excuse this time. It's just called being on brand. <laughs> this could just be the sidetrack segment. So 
Uh, one one game that I I was wholeheartedly part of my childhood being the Ratchet and Clank series. Now uh, finding uh, all the gold bolts, titanium bolts, whatever. You didn't need to get them. Absolutely nothing made you have to go get them. But you could run around as a snowman if you wanted. <laughs> and like sometimes with that kind of incentive, you really do need to get them. <laughs> I remember. I also enjoyed the zony hunting in um. Uh, Crack in time. time. Yeah, those are good too. Zony. Zony. Uh, the little time. They had little things. time aliens They're things. Only from the timeline section of Tools of Destruction onwards, like PS3 onwards. Okay, shows how much how much I've fallen out of the Ratchet and Clank thing since my PS2 days. So um. <laughs> it's a bit of a weird set of lore. Turns out Clank was sort of created by the head Zony. And that's why he's so different to the other warbots he was made in the same plant as. Yep. I'll just nod. Yeah. <laughs> Don't need to understand that part. It, the main purpose of them was to upgrade your ship, which, technically speaking, wasn't necessary. There were space combats. Yeah, but you could do that without the zony. Yeah. The only section where it was necessary was the um, reflector shield in order to get onto the, one of the last planets. Yeah. But the thing you got for getting all 40 of them was a extra mission with one of the recurring villains where you finished him off, and then you could access the Insomniac Museum. That's honestly really cool. The Insomniac Museum was actually really cool. I like that. I really love when sidetracking yourself has really great rewards. Mm-hmm. And then other times when sidetracking is completely irrelevant or it's just like, you did this thing. Why? <laughs> Why did you do this? Pat, I've just remembered something. Now, you've mentioned the um, Attack and the Power of Juju games to me before, but I don't know, did you play them? No, I did not. Well, I think in the second game of the series, possibly, there was a whole side set of just mini games. <gasps> Skiing, sand, sandboarding, oh like my sandboarding God. through these dunes and stuff. I think, I don't know how much time... I wasted on that game instead of pursuing any sort of main plot, just get on my little board and wee doing tricks and that stuff. Is the coolest oh, part good of memories. You just opened my third eye and just made me flash back to one of the first games I ever got on the PS3. Oh, I wanna hear. Oh. It was a Christmas present from my grandmother and a movie tie-in game, Madagascar Two Escape to Africa for PS3. Oh. It was a pretty simple story. You had different mechanics based on which of the animals you're playing as. Like, if you played as the penguins, it was a bit of a action stealth system mm. with a fishing minigame. I think I played the first Madagascar game on Xbox, and I often went back and played the penguins level, because you could choose what level you played, and I just yeah. loved playing as the penguins. They were fun. I remember the the thing we played the most on Madagascar 2 was the minigames. Most of them were kind of eh, but there was a surprisingly fun golf minigame. Oh, oh my god. Just Who are you whacking around? Mort? <laughs> no. You picked one of the taller animals. I think Melman used his head as a club. <laughs> Typical. Yep. And it was it was a fairly simple golf game, but with like a fun Madagascar energy to it. And the most fun thing was as a test of skill, because you could also aim your ball up and down, you could shoot over gaps on the field to get closer to the hole faster. Okay. Which, which became a bit of a test of skill between me and my sister a lot <laughs> to see who could land the shots the cleanest. Mm. And it was really fun. Oh, man. Mm. Honestly, just like all these old games are re-unlocking some old memories. There was this one 
one game, another movie tie-in, mind mm. you. That when I think about it, the entire game was just mini games, but like you get sidetracked by all the random little gadgets and stuff. It was a Stuart Little game, but it was based oh. on Stuart Little too. I think I saw an ad for that on one of the DVDs I used to have. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, Back um, when advertising was on our DVDs. Oh, my man. God. But, yeah, like, it was like the Stuart Little Snap Adventures where you had to, like, you, you accidentally um, pushed... I forgot what the kid's name was. The owner. Um, you pushed his book into, um, like, some water and all the photos got destroyed. So you're now going around having to, like, retake all the photos. But to recreate all these moments, you had to do all this stuff. And, like, it almost turned into a miniature GTA because, like, you have to get all these different vehicles, which are, like, all these different RC stuff and all that thing, mm-hmm. and different costumes for them. Like, like, you have to do this thing to get that, and it's like, oh, you need this vehicle to do this mini game to get the photo. And it's like, sometimes when an entire game is just mini games, it's fun. But then, like, yes, look at all these mini games. Also me. <laughs> I am a mouse on a BMX. Yeet! <laughs> uh, but, the, but the main story's here. But can I climb that tree? No, you can't climb the... I'm going to climb that tree. Stop. <laughs> it's like even when the game is filled with distracting side games, you still somehow get distracted by not the side games. I'm mm. feeling like I remember the B-movie having something like that, the B-movie game. Oh, my God. I there was like a B-movie movie game? game? Yes. I, I actually remember <laughs> the only time I've ever seen it played, I think an old friend of mine used to have it on Wii. But most importantly, I think I remember watching NerdCubed play it. Oh my god. Back when he still did a lot of gaming content. He actually does a lot more Lego and stuff now. Yeah. Mm, good for him. Yeah. But I remember it was a bit of a GTA clone. <laughs> oh, come on. It was Beaver. You like Silver. jazz? Get out of the car. <laughs> Just Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld mugs your car. But you did you did get to take other people's vehicles, but there was there was no stars gotten look, look, for it. If I if I was sitting in my car and a and a talking bee came to threaten me, you can bet that I'll be running. Oh no, I'll you sting you. I don't think I don't will. You were taking other bees' cars. You weren't taking people's cars. <laughs> that's even worse bee though. Would scare me. That would scare me. Bee enough. on bee violence. What has the world come to? Oh god, it's a bee. What do you want? You like jazz? I think I'm going insane. <laughs> <laughs> Though, um, but back to the original. Oh, God, we really did sidetrack ourselves on the sidetrack segment. I gave, I, I gave the full warning. It's fine. Here's yeah. the thing. Once I start going on about... Once we start going on about Pokemon, we're not going to stop. So first, I want to mention how when I was a kid, I got very distracted with some of the mini games in the Professor Layton series. And one in particular that wasn't even really puzzle-based. It was just you go around the maps, you have to solve puzzles to get the ingredients for the different teas. But then it's just you slam the different ingredients together and see what teas you make. Ooh. But the tasty. thing was, you could... There were, like, ten good options. And there were a lot of bad ones. And I found it so, like, little kid me found it so funny when you got the ingredients mixed together in the right way to just make the characters really concerned by what they had created. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, nice. Um, later. Um, but yeah, the, um, so the thing is, like, yeah, it's like just like little side stuff. Also just things that, like, do they contribute? No. But is it fun? Mm. Yes. Like, did uh, I hear someone say Skyrim? <laughs> oh my god. Also, you know one thing that. that is like even more fantastic? Mm. 
self-imposed sidetracking. <laughs> like Skyrim of, I know I'm supposed to fight Alduin, but buckets. But mm. I'm going to walk cross-country from the little starting town all the way to Rorikstead so that I can tell the family of that poor guy who died in the cart that <laughs> he loves them. Rorikstead. I'm from Rorikstead. When you did that, you got me to navigate because my first copy of Skyrim for PS3, I technically bought it off a friend. He never actually charged me for it, though. <laughs> and it was a collector's edition with an actual parchment-looking map of... <gasps> Skyrim. I had one of those too. Oh damn! And you were getting me to navigate you from Riverwood to Rorikstead using that map, as opposed so cool. to opening the map in game. Well, I didn't have Rorikstead <laughs> on the map yet, so I was just kind of oh, endlessly walking in that direction. I'm I'm quite about self-imposed um, challenges in that sense. <laughs> I did one once, and my friend Rob witnessed me do it, and. It was the stupidest thing I ever did. There's this one game called Castlevania Curse of Darkness. Mm. And unlike the other Castlevania games, you actually play as um, Edward, not the Belmonts. Mm. If anyone's watched the anime, he is very different in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, He doesn't get kicked around and bullied. Um, And it's like, okay, so this thing is like the Tower of Infinity. 50 floors of progressively harder and harder enemies. 50 is not infinity, though. Hey, Blake. Yes? Can you shut up? (laughs) (laughs) It was just called that because if you played it, it felt like forever. Ah, It was like the Tower Tower of Infinity, and then if you got a long glider, you would then go to the Tower of Eternity, which is another 50 floors going down. (laughs) And you understand the tedium? This makes me think of Zero Isle. In mm. the um, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games, where each dungeon has a particular restriction. So, in one of them, you get to take no items in. In one of them, you oh. are taken all the way back to level one temporarily. Damn. And in the final dungeon, I think it's both. You're wow. taken forcibly back to level one. You have no items. Damn. You just have to start from zero. Yeah. It's, oh, I guess that's why they call it that. Yeah. Huh. With, the, um, with the tower, though, it's, the thing is, there are no restrictions. It's just enemies. And then they progressively get harder. Mm. What did I do to self-impose myself? I used a gag weapon. <laughs> used in a this wooden game, sword or something. You, in this game, you can craft weapons and stuff. You, like The whole idea, the gimmick of this game was crafting stuff to do shit. And, <laughs> sorry. Um, <clears throat> um, to do things. And um, <laughs> so one of the weapons you can craft is a push broom. You're going to just sweep the enemies off their feet, aren't there, you? In the game, it's a combination of spamming the X button, then hitting Y. And then Y finishes off a combo. So it's like, you know, attack, attack, press a Y button for a heavy attack, which is a combo determined based on how many times you've light attacked. Mm. And there is one where you go like one attack, two attack, three attack, combo, spam the combo button, and it's you scrubbing the floor. <laughs> and the thing is, is that on most enemies, it stun locks them. So you go and you can move while doing it. So you can actually scrub the floor with enemies. And no matter how high health they were, 
if they were stun- they able to be stun locked, they you would just gather up all the enemies and lock them in an infinite loop of locking them in that stun, and going around in circles as you scrub the floor of the tower. <laughs> and I scrubbed the whole tower. I'm just I'm just picturing you going on to a new floor of the dungeon, just knocking the door and being like, "Cleaner, housekeeping." <laughs> Bang! No, no way! I said housekeeping. And yeah, no, um. Things got to l- everybody gangster till the enemies started flying. Um, all with too large to be stun locked. This is when you need to get the vacuum. <laughs> yeah, that was actually another attack, and that is you do it, and then you twirl the thing above your head and make it like a mini vortex, which hits enemies in the air. So it's just like vacuum. <laughs> but like, and it's like, it's stupid stuff like that. It's like, oh, yes. I know I'm supposed to be seeking vengeance for my dead wife and stopping the uh, curse of Dracula and the undead plague, but, but tower. Burp, 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 burp. Yep. Mm. And just, like, stuff that even the game developers didn't encourage you to do because there was no reward for using just specifically that weapon. Yeah, like, at least Pokemon contests have rewards and such. Oh, and Pokemon Conquest. Let's open up that can no, of worms. No, contests, I said. Contests. Con- conquest. Is a can of worms for another day. No, no, I said content. Oh, goodness. <laughs> you <laughs> said conquest. Buggery. <laughs> but yes, Pokemon contests. My favorites were probably the ones in the Sinnoh region. The amount of time that I spent attempting to make poffins as well. <gasps> poffins. Poffins. I, w- I wasn't very good at it, but I enjoyed you know, it. I never had and any friends to do it with. Yeah, that was probably my problem as well. Mm. But then, you know, just... I remember very much enjoying getting all of the little dress-up items and dressing up my Pokemon. All lovely. Oh, that was so cool. That was great. Oh, that does remind me. It's like black and white, the musicals. The musicals, You can yes. just dress your Pokemons up to the nines. And then when it's the right moment, press the button, and they throw their top yes. hat out into the crowd. Yes. Which is making me think. You reckon they're going to have all the dress-up stuff available in Sinnoh? They'd better. Like the, um, what, what were they called, sigils? Sigils? Oh, seals. Seals. Yes. Seals and the Pokemon dress-up corner and Pokemon contest and the underground or I riot. I'm going to be rioting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Judging, you know. But I can dream, okay? I can dream, Harold. <laughs> the underground was always fun. I loved getting fossils and tapping on walls and getting all the pretty gems. My favorite ones were the pink ones. Hmm. Hmm. I always found it fun to be able to get Evo stones from it. Yeah. And the Pokathlon, that was fun too. True. And making juice. <laughs> I think that's one thing that is severely understated in a lot of games, and that's just developers not understanding, like, yes, the main game is fun and all, but sometimes we want to just do silly things outside of it. Yeah. Sometimes we'll make our own <laughs> things, but sometimes they give us opportunities to do Silly things. Yeah, I've seen someone who decided to make a challenge of how far can I get in Genshin Impact without triggering the first statue of the seven. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't think you can get very far because you I can't. don't know, in law the traveler did it for months and years on end. Yeah. <laughs> That's another topic. Yeah. <laughs> but um uh, Chris, what about you though? Any other experiences with getting completely sidetracked? You said something earlier in the break about um Dishonored. Well, Dishonored, there's plenty of uh, little side things that you can do on your way to killing the person you got to kill or rescue the person you got to kill, got to rescue. <laughs> yeah, that. Rescuing the person you got to kill. Good job. Yeah, Good that job. one. Um, Task failed successfully. 
Well, for one one thing, in the first Dishonored game, uh, there was non-lethal ways to go around of all the targets you had to supposedly kill. Mm. Uh, for an example, uh, one time you had to... Uh, you have to... You've been killed, tasked to kill the Pendleton brothers oh, yeah, uh, at the bathhouse. However, if you talk to your to the local gang leader, do a little job for him in town. Slackjaw? Slackjaw is his name, yep. Do a job job for him, and then after he's done that, he will, at some other time, will kidnap them, take out their tongues, and send them to work in the mines. Mm. They won't like their new life, but they're alive. <laughs> well. And uh, Pendleton, who is your ally, uh, thanks you, and I believe he gives you a rune for it or something. Oh. Yeah. And another thing. Sidetracking, that's rewarding. Mm. Mm. So if you want to do the full non-lethal route, that is one of the things you've got to do. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say, like, on the topic of Pendleton giving you a rune, ah, uh, yes, here, have more power, as I am very aware that later on in the game I shall betray you. Well, they never thought about that until the end, it would seem. Or, no, actually, you read Havelock's journals and it gets... Um, and it makes sense. Yeah, mm. you read Havelock's journal, you can see that there is a turn over time as you read yeah. it. It's just that if you're not if you're not reading his journal, then, well, it's just a surprise. Like, oh, wait, your drink's been poisoned. Ah. Oh, no. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm yep. remembering now what Hayden said earlier about... Um, about sort of Pokemon with uh, going down side paths and then getting rewarded. Oh, yeah. And he mentioned the old chateau in the Sinnoh games, which is a location which I believe you unlock... I think... Uh, I forget exactly when you unlock it. I think it. it's around the same time as the ghost gym? Maybe. So, hot home, I believe. Maybe. Yeah, um, what's this? Oh. Mm. Uh, keep talking, Kate. Yes, you unlock it and you can go in there. And there's all sorts of like vaguely creepy stuff around. Like paintings that have eyes that Whoa. only show up when you're in the room next to it. So like, mm. if you're in the room and you investigate the painting, no eyes. If you're in the next room over and the room is still visible on the screen, there will be the eyes. Ooh, if you creepy. go there, oh, some some rooms you can go into and there's a percent chance of seeing a ghost. Oh. Like literally seeing an old man walk through this one room and then Throw disappear. a Pokeball at it. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't give you the option. And then there's other ones where you walk into a room and in the adjacent room, there's a girl in a bed or something. And it's just lots of creepy stuff that little kid oh, me absolutely man. loved. And if you go there at the correct time of day, there's a television with a Rotom inside, which you can catch. So... Hmm. The creepy stuff. They're here. So, like, creepy stuff for fun, but also a reward if you're there at the right time. Mm. Mm. Uh, honestly, uh, Pokemon had a lot of side stuff, but, like, yeah. in my opinion, it's kind of dwindling. Yeah, which is a shame, because, mm. like yeah. you said, it brings a lot of, re not quite replay value, but it keeps you coming back. Like, and it's like, I want to do this, I want to finish this, or... I am really invested in doing this little thing, and I like to imagine I'm doing it alongside my poker buddies. Like, I, I started up a berry cartel in uh, <laughs> X and Y. Well, not so much a cartel, because I didn't break anyone's thumbs, but basically, <laughs> in the high school playground, um, my friends were very competitive. 
Mm-hmm. And part with competitive play meant competitive gear. Competitive berries. Exactly. Oh, and X and Y had the berry farm, and I would go out of my way to be able to, like, I looked up guides and all these things on crossbreeding and getting every single berry. That way I could cultivate rows upon rows upon rows of every type of berry one could grow. Orin, Margo, uh, Pekka, all that stuff. Leper berries, all the good stuff. And especially the berries that is like, oh, did I get hit? I gained more defenses. Did I get hit? I gained more attack. Like I got all of those different berries. And then I would have it that I would have, I would catch a Pokemon and then just a, just a random one, put the berry on it, trade it with a friend, and then put the second berry on that fr- one they gave it to me. And then we'll just keep chaining between those two Pokemon being traded to get the berries shipped across. Mm. And it was just I like, love this system. This yeah, is great. Like, this they would always come to me and so it's like, or sometimes they'll be like, hey, did you get that shiny? Or, like, did you get this, like, really strong IV Pokemon? Yeah, it's like trade you for it for some berries yeah sure so they'll trade me that pokemon and then i'll trade like when then we'll do the exchange with some other pokemons for that one particular strong pokemon man so i like, wish my high school had had a berry cartel yeah no i <laughs> i was i was the godfather of the berry trade you see you come to me you do not disrespect me in my house or you get no berries <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, I'm trying to do a Marlo Brando accent. There we go. <laughs> but, um, no, that was one of the fun things about um, Pokemon Extracurriculum. Mm. Um, I know, Chris, you haven't played Pokemon really. I've played Pokemon Heart Gold and Pokemon Ranger. That's about my Pokemon experience. Honestly, did, Pokemon did Ranger. Did Pokemon Ranger have side quests? Like, oh, it had a lot of side quests in Legend of Almia. Shadows of Almia? Shadow, Whatever. Shadows, Shadows of, Almia. of Almia. Which one did you play, Chris? Just the first the Pokemon? The first Ranger? one? Wow. I think. The game that busts your touchscreen, but you have a good time <laughs> along the way. I had fun. It was alright. That in and of itself was more of a side game of, of, of Pokemon as a whole. Still barely so didn't know much about Pokemon, but that's alright. <laughs> Um, I mean, I've got, I've currently got Pokemon Heart Gold emulated on my computer, so that's something I can play that whenever. Shh, don't let the Nintendo police hear. Mm. They'll bust down your door with all their lawyers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. No. That's Sound another game. The, video. Is the video I was showing you during the break, Pat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness, so. Speaking of breaks, I have a gut feeling we've been going for a while, Chris. Oh, yeah, no, don't worry. I've been keeping track. Then, yeah, yeah, overtime. <laughs> if you've been keeping track, then how are we overtime? <laughs> how are we o- overtime? I don't know if you've, you have ever tried to shut each other up. <laughs> it's a mission, I tell you. We do. Every time the two of us are on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, though, um, we'll bring no. you some more news. Blake has actually just received some news on an update to another series that um, some of us play. Not sure how many of you, you all play. Hope you're finding all of this entertaining, and I hope you have a fantastic night. All righty. Well, we'll be back. You've been listening to Unigame Society Radio on TuneFM 106.9. It's time to play the music. Student Powered Radio on Tune FM 
And that was Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears here on 106.9 at Tune FM. Current students on campus and online can access free and confidential counseling and psychological services here at UNE. But what you may not know is that you also have access to study gym sessions. This is where counselors can help you as your personal trainers, which means they can help boost your confidence, overcome exam anxiety, manage your time wisely, avoid procrastination, and help you improve your concentration for effective exam revision. They offer face-to-face, phone, or Zoom online appointments. They are located at the corner of Queen Elizabeth Drive and Elm Avenue, which is the campus entrance near the colleges. Their office hours are Monday to Friday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Coming up next, we have Leave the Door Open by Bruno Mars. Too good, look too good to be alone. My house clean, my pool warm. 
but seem to stay close to me. You love making me watch you leave. You always got one foot out the door. And I don't wanna, I don't wanna do this no more. You keep calling back what you're trying to prove. So keep calling back. You Hello and welcome back to Uni Game Society Radio on TuneFM 106.9. And we thought uh, we might talk about some strategy games that people have been playing. Well, some of the people in the room have been playing. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> uh, one game that I've been playing is just, hello, I'm in space. Uh, I've been playing Stellaris for a few years now after our friend Hayden got me into it. And um, a new DLC for it has dropped recently. The Nemesis DLC. I'm not entirely sure what it puts in completely, but I know that it's added in a new thing called an Ascension perk, 
There's a handful of ascension perks that allow you to define the endpoint of your galactic empire. Um. You can become genetic masters, able to rewrite your own G- DNA, give yourself a new planet you specialize in inhabiting, and if you're feeling really mean, um, genetically override other species. Is that mega corporation? that's basically just Amazon but in space annoying you <laughs> enslave them all remove their free will and turn them into cattle yeet welcome to Solaris where morals don't matter because you're not human indeed then there's robotic ascension which is ah yes flesh I do not want it anymore for any Star Trek fans I hope you like the Borg <laughs> yeah or the Necrons that's for Warhammer fans yeah um, but anyway, though, these are the ones already in. What do we yeah. know about the new things coming in? Become the Crisis. I'm sorry, uh, what? So the end game <clears throat> crisis in a game of Stellaris generally happens after about three or four hundred years. In some cases in real time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's generally a reference to some massive sci-fi threat in another game. I don't know what the psionic monster things are, but the there's a devouring swarm, basically, that eats planets dry that's based off the Tyranids from Warhammer 40k. And the robot uprising event is based on the Reapers from Mass Effect. Yes. Essentially, in every sci-fi game where, you know, there's been a pre-established world for centuries upon centuries... <coughs> sorry. Phlegm. <coughs> um... Essentially, the crisis event is that sort of uh, plot device that you find in a lot of media, like the everything was going well until the blank nation attacked. <laughs> That's what the crisis is, essentially. The BBEG, the big bad evil guy. Yep, and... Uh, now they've given that power to the players. Yes. Oh, hopefully someday I'll be good enough at the game to make it that far. Someday I'm assuming Hayden's going to do it behind our backs and kill us all. Indeed. <laughs> Um, Good fun. From what I understand, the main draw of it is you have to rely on a new Mm. resource. Oh. That comes from you creating ships that eat stars. That is awesome. Cool. Yeah. I I haven't looked. I think it also added in an espionage system, like an international espionage system. That is really cool. I I hope they do it better than Civ. I will quickly pull it up on Steam to see if there's any information on it. Wait. What? Oh, come on. Pre-purchase only still. Oh, sod. 16th. Not yet out, although that's a few days away. It's close. Three days. It's yeah. about as close as my assignments. <laughs> um, become the crisis. You are, fu- you are the fire that spreads across the galaxy, threatening its very existence. As your empire becomes more and more menacing, you'll unlock powerful bonuses to finish a hopeless galactic stalemate on your own terms. If the rest of the galaxy can't stop you in time, you can unleash enough power to end all of existence. Damn. That's so metal. Uh, Galactic Custodian. It's up to you to campaign for the galactic community to declare you a custodian, granting you emergency powers to combat the crisis. Use them to bring the galaxy back from the edge of destruction and restore order. When your crisis is defeated, you may choose to relinquish your powers. Or keep them and form a new galactic imperium, also known as I am the, the Senate. Senate. Oh, I see. Handing over galactic uh, emergency powers only for them to form an empire. Okay, Chief. 
<laughs> Espionage system. Knowledge is power. Use new tools to spy on your enemies or friends. Deploy envoys to lead covert operations and counterintelligence behind enemy borders. Lies and deceit will throw your enemies off your scent while you learn their deepest secrets. As your infiltration level increases, you'll unlock new operations, such as Sabotage Starbase. Oh yes. my god. Fire assets or steal tech. Megacorp Ooh. espionage here I come! <laughs> Turn allies <laughs> against each other through the use of smear campaigns and by instigating diplomatic incidents. Ooh. Play your cards right and they'll be none the wiser. What they don't know will hurt them. This sounds like great fun. Honestly, espionage systems are always a great way to play a strategy game simply because it's just another way of doing things. It's, I don't want a big army. I want your big army to fight his big army. Mm. It's so then you hilarious. can just sit there in the background and watch people kill each other. <laughs> and it includes a new ship set for um, playing as the Crisis. Whether you're taking control of the galaxy or wiping it out, you'll look as powerful as you feel. The custodians also get those, I assume? I think it's just a general ship set you can pick at the start. High sort of like how you ship. can have an amphibian ship set. Oh, 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 uh, ship set. I thought it was like a type of ship. No. That's so still cool. It's not like a new Juggernaut class ship or anything. Oh, my God. So the Juggernauts are fun. Oh, my goodness. So, um, yeah, no, strategy games, like, honestly, when they give you options for things like espionage and all that stuff, it's really fun and exciting for me because it's like it's a new way of playing the game. Mm. Because mm. it's not just who has big stick, who win unga bunga. It's like, did you do this? Yeah. Well, good luck trying to fight me. I'm behind seven proxy states. Yeah. It's like that one line from um, Helsing Ultimate Abridged. I killed him. I cut his bloody head off. All right, that's step one. What about two through ten? Oh, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, what about you, Chris? You got any <clears throat> experience with strategy games? I have played Northgard, and that's about it. <laughs> I keep hearing about that. Is that any good? Yeah, it's fun. It, I have it as well. Yeah, it's pretty good. Did. So uh, Viking Age strategy game, it's... It is on a much, much smaller scale, obviously, than Stellaris, because it's not galaxy-wide. It's um, island-wide, I guess. Singular? Yeah. Yeah, yeah all the players are on a single island. Uh, you can play it multiplayer. You can play it. There's a story mode to play through. There's uh, You can do Conquest, which you can do with one other player. Damn. Um, conquest, um, it has... It follows... It's not a storyline, but there's a few... There's, like eight missions i want to say that you go and do and through each step of the way for completing a thing you get a certain buff or a change to your uh, clan that you're using for the conquest so for example you could get more wood production or more food production or this unit so this soldier could cost less for you your uh, partner can pick a different thing of course there's three to pick from and well you so you pick two of them because you and your partner pick one of each. So, yeah, that one's interesting. There's like I want to say ten different clans to pick from: clan of like clan of the lynx, clan of the wolf, clan of dragon. Like I've mentioned a couple of DLC ones there, but I'm yeah, <laughs> well, about to say, I mean, like fine. at that point though, it's like you always get them just because it's a new way to play. Um, mm. I have the Clan of Links. That's the only DLC one I got. The main one I played was the Crow Clan, or the Raven, the, like, the Raven a, Clan. Isn't that the one that like scouts a lot and whatever? They have to scout a lot. They are very good at making money. However, not very good at making food. <laughs> uh, 
However, they can hire mercenaries to attack people on the coast. And steal or, their food, I assume? And steal their food, as Very well as uh, send giants at them. Wow. Hmm. Which are an, a pow more powerful form of mercenary. It's the same sort of thing. Attack them on the shores. By Yusmi's beard, that is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, the only other um, strategy game I've played is XCOM 2. Mm. And that mm. is a good one. 95%. 95%. Oh, 95%. Not enough. 95%. In the words of a YouTuber I watch, M&J TV, if it's, if it's not 100%, it's 50%. And if it's 50%, it's 0%. Oh, honestly, me playing Wasteland, like not a strategy game, just an RPG, but it's like Wasteland 3. Okay, 95% chance. Miss, 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 miss. It's a 5% chance! <laughs> playing Darkest, yeah. Darkest Dungeon on that oh, same road. Gosh. RNG is always mm. a magnificent, magnificent thing. It's amazing to read through the negative Steam reviews of Darkest Dungeon, honestly, because some people get so annoyed that it's all RNG-based. It's like, yeah, well... Welcome it is. to RPGs. Welcome mm. to this. Like, you and have you to. You can game it by putting the right, putting the right items on your characters, getting the right attacks. You yeah. gotta. This you gotta make the RNG work. Work for you. work against the R yeah. RNG. I was going to say um, there was a quote I remembered. Russian Badger referenced it, but the quote is like, "The game of life is often a coin flip. The smart player will know how to cheat." I remember it. It's from his um, sociopath video. It's, I think, one of Jacket's <coughs> lines in Payday 2. I think so. A, a coin flip, an analogy for life, and, a, and it's uncertainty. Of course, a wise player always cheats. Exactly. And it's just like, while RNG is always against you, there is still a degree of strategy of uh, mitigating or facilitating for RNG kicking you in the butt. I love the... Um, yeah. What was the name? What was the name of the PvP part of uh, uh, Butcher's Circus? Butcher's Circus. Oh, oh that's I had fun. fun with that when it came out. Butch's I had Circus people rage quitting on me. Oh, you had rage quitters, damn! What did you? What did you? <laughs> what did, did you, you do, do to, to those them, poor Kate? souls? Stacking up lots and lots of uh, bleed and plague damage. Oh yeah, blight. I, yep. Like, just when the enemy has like 15 points of damage stacked up on them per turn. They're not allowed to heal. Yeah, hey, I heard you liked having a health bar. Unfortunately, I don't like you having a health bar. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> what I had fun, fun with annoying uh, Hayden in the PvP was uh, playing... So in, Dark, in the Darkest Dungeon Butcher Circus, um, they added one more character to have a repost on one of his skills. Who was that? Uh, the Abomination. Really? The Abomination, when he used his uh, beast bile, so the vomit, uh, he gained a repost for one turn. The repost was a weak one, because it was just him beast biling the one person that hit him. But it was another repost. And so I had Man-at-Arms, Highwayman, Abomination, and a Vestal to heal. Oh my god. So there was repost, repost, <laughs> repost. If you, if you so wished... To grape shot blast my oh, team. No. You got triple hit by my team. <laughs> <laughs> the AOE gets AO dunked. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to shoot all of them. They're all going to stab you. Just, I'm going to blow your entire team away. Oh, look, none of, it doesn't matter that none of them do. Bang, bang, bang. Where'd all my health go? What's that thing in Persona where everyone ruffle stumps that one? All out attack. Just all out attack. <laughs> Just like, yeah. now's our moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's also reminding me of a, one of the only deaths I had in my new game plus run of Persona 5. 
Um, I use the oh, best gun one. skill oh, against no. one of the only enemies in the game. Immune to gun. Not just immune, but reflect gun. <laughs> reflect gun. <laughs> Hello, Genji. <laughs> I cast riot gun. Immense gun damage to all opponents against one target because it's the only decent attack I had. No, you. And I watch as my little level 30 guy's health just gone <laughs> from full to zero in one attack. Because I was using an end game persona against early game chaff. Rest in peace. Rest in pieces. Honestly, yeah, that's another thing about strategy. You can't just rely on RNG to breeze your way through it because stuff like that happens. That's a great thing about strategy. Again, there is RNG, but you can cheat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in an extent. Play the game as well as it plays you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I remembered, um, I play a lot of card games, and one of the things I like to do is, is that, oh, you know, you got to rely on top decking. Yes. But what if I just had four copies of the one card and then also, you know, reliable ways of tutoring the card? Uh, that takes out the RNG element. Just search for the card and give it a hand. Hmm. Until then I get mana screwed because all of my top deck is no lands and then I cry. And then yeah. RNG laughs at me for my attempts of in hubris. I feel like a Greek protagonist in a tragedy. MTG for people yeah, that don't know. I you for it. <laughs> because that's the only time I ever bloody beat you. Unless you play blue. Yeah, which I do. No. <laughs> which I think is probably a fair way to end tonight's session because we've got uh, Dungeons and Airwaves on after us. Yep. Indeed. Uh, speaking of, though, uh, just a quick reminder, uh, due to it being the mid-trimester break, uh, Gaming Society will not be running tomorrow. However, if you still want your fix of gaming and tabletop needs, you can always head down to Blackheart on which street? Sorry? Uh, Beardy Street, I think. Beardy Street, yes, that's yep. the one. Beardy Street. If you're coming from the town centre, it should be on your right, just across from Caffeine's. And, uh, well, it's actually next door to Caffeine's, not across from it. Oh, right, yes. Next door to Caffeine's, there's like that little weird intersection thing yeah. where it's like they're across from one another's doors. Yeah. It's weird, very weird. It's over in the same mall section as the NAB. But yeah, if you want to get into tabletop stuff, or if you like Magic the Gathering, or if you like D&D, or if you just love board games and card games like Cards Against Humanity or Settlers of Catan, they will have you all sorted out. This has been uh, UNE mm-hmm. Gaming Society Radio. I'm Patrick. I'm Blake. I'm Kate. And I'm Chris. Alrighty. Listening to Tune FM 106.9. And up next, uh, we'll have Dungeons and Airwaves in about 10 minutes.